tweet at TodaySOR. We'll be talking to a pharmacist and a former politician, uh, former deputy Kate O'Connell a little later and uh, the texts are coming in uh, for her pharmacy struggling. Masks gone from two euro to 12 euro. Sanitizers from five to 10 euro. Prescription was 36 euro in March, 48 euro in April. Give me a break. As I say, we'll talk to Kate O'Connell a little after 11 now. As many as a third of people arriving in Ireland in the last six weeks have refused to give details about where they would be staying in order to allow the authorities to confirm their self-isolating. So why the refusal by so many to fill out this form? For more, I am joined by Liam Herrick, Executive Director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Liam, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Just tell me particularly or specifically, what information is this form requesting from passengers arriving here? So, Sean, uh, the form is not, I suppose, the immigration forms that we might be familiar with. This is something that is being constructed by the Health Protection Surveillance Centre, an agency of the HSC. And what it's requiring people to do is to fill out a public health passenger locator form indicating where you will be for a period of two weeks after you enter the state. And you are meant to um, fill out this form before you land in the state. Uh, At the moment, no laws have been introduced requiring these forms to be completed. Um, So even though that could have been done, uh, it's essentially operating on a voluntary basis. And the story today from Philip Ryan indicates that whereas a significant proportion of people are filling out this form, there are a number of people who appear not to be filling it out before they enter the state. Yeah, but does it surprise you, as he reports in The Independent today, that as many as a third of passengers have refused to provide this information? It does. I mean, I think there's a slight question in terms of the figures because uh, it suggests that 1,950 people enter the state and 1,279 forms were filled out. There's an implication that everybody else refused. However, it does seem that the current health guidelines grant exemptions to some people entering the state, whether they are um, essential supply chain workers or if they're in transit. So the number who refuse may be lower than that. Uh, but it does indicate there's some. I mean, what's essentially being provided for at the moment is a voluntary system, but it also involves, of course, follow-up that people may be contacted afterwards. And uh, the indication is that, you know, not everybody is contacted afterwards. Now, there's a public health question here, and, you know, I'm not qualified to say what the public health advice is as to how important these controls are at this particular point in the pandemic. It may be that these types of controls take on a different level of importance at different points in time. And and perhaps when we get the community transmission under control within the state, these kind of border controls might become more important in the weeks to come. And I suppose that might suggest why the government is now considering introducing some legal powers around this question of entry into the state. Yes, and that'll be a matter, presumably, for the the new government, if and when it takes office sometime, well, they're reckoning it'll be sometime in June. Um, But, I mean, in general, would you you have any reservations about giving these powers to the state in, in the wider public health interest? Well, Sean, you know, under the Health Preservation and Protection and Other Measures in the Public Interest Act, the unwieldy legislation from the 20th of March, the government already has the power to introduce regulations with regard to entry in and out of the state. It's chosen not to do it up to now. And countries all around the world are introducing legal powers of enforcement around entry into the state. 
Some countries are going as far as to mandate compulsory centralised quarantine. Countries like South Korea um, and others are introducing compulsory powers about information or follow-up or monitoring. So it's certainly possible to do this. The, the question, I suppose, is that if there's a public health reason why this would be necessary, then how you do it should involve a fairly broad range of expertise around things like human rights, around potential for discrimination, data protection, and all of the other considerations. And I think if there's been a weakness in how we've gone about our regulation so far, is that the opportunity has not been taken to draw in that broader level of expertise. Now, I think as we go into a new phase, we certainly should look at a broader level of expertise. And the fact that an Oireachtas committee was established yesterday to bring in all parties, I think, is a step forward and offers an opportunity now that if we are developing new regulations, let's take the opportunity to take into consideration all of the various factors. Okay, uh, I want to bring in at this point uh, Kingston Mills. He's Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, Professor Mills, thanks indeed for joining us. Um, I, I suppose on the face of it, it would appear there's a fairly cavalier or lax approach taken by some or a fair number of passengers, a third, up to a third, coming into Dublin Airport. Um, how concerned would you be about that? Yeah, good morning, Sean. I, I'm very concerned about this. Um, I don't think this is a matter of human rights. I think it's a matter of responsibility. I mean, people have a responsibility not to transmit the virus. And the measures that have been put in place by the government including, include ones where you're asked to self-isolate for 14 days after travel is a very reasonable request and that people should adhere to. But I would actually go further and say that why are these people flying in the first place? Why have we a dozen flights a day still going in and out of Dublin airports? Is this necessary? I mean, we're all being asked to self-isolate in our homes apart from two to five kilometres, and yet people are flying to Kerry, to Chicago, to London and other cities. Why is this still happening? Well, it may be for essential journeys to do with family situations that arise, bereavements or whatever. I'm surmising here. I mean, that, that's, I mean that, there may be legitimate reasons, but why is there a flight from, from Belfast to London full um, um, that's so full that people couldn't stay more than two seats apart? So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the authorities need to not have um, you know, one rule for everybody in the community, which is to stay in your homes and, and not go two to five metres or two to five kilometres away from it, and have another rule entirely for people that are in flights. I mean, airline, if I was to pick one way of of making sure that I was going to get COVID-19, I would fly. Because this is the one situation where you're more exposed to potentially getting it from somebody else who's infected than any other means. First of all, you're sitting right beside somebody, whether it be front or or back or left or right. Secondly, you're in a condition where the humidity of the air is low. Low humidity um, makes it easier for the virus to be transmitted. And thirdly, the air is recirculated in in aircraft. Yeah, um, Kingston, we've had a lot of text uh, who are texters exercised on this one saying travellers should be turned back if they don't sign the form. I mean, it's not something that I'm um, an authority on, but clearly, a, a, you know, the government needs to look at whether this is, a, this is an optional or a mandatory requirement. And I think it actually now become, needs to become a mandatory requirement. Yeah. What would you say to that, uh, Liam Herrick, the idea of turning people back, get the next flight out of here if you're not prepared to give us this information? Oh, no, I mean, it, it's absolutely clear under the legislation and under human rights principles that it's perfectly within the state's gift 
to either regulate or prohibit travel or to create obligations in terms of providing information. So it's certainly possible to do this. I think the point is that if you are to go down that road and if you are to make the choice to go from a voluntary system to a mandatory system, that there are processes that you should go through to ensure that you do it properly. And, and th that's a point not just with regard to travel and air travel, and of course Kingston's correct in all of the issues he, he raises about the risk. It also applies to the controls within the, the state here. And I, I think what we would be saying is that between now and the 18th of May, which is the current period of public health controls, we should really invest more in making sure that any regulations, whether they're about international travel or travel within the state, uh, you know, are done to the highest possible standard. Certainly, it is possible to introduce controls of this type. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think we're all familiar with traveling countries where, in an immigration context, these type of obligations exist, of course. Yes, and on that one, uh, Kingston Mills, for instance, there's mandatory quarantining, as we know in Australia, for example. Everybody must go into quarantine in a hotel or similar facilities when they arrive in the country. Now, do you think we should, we should do something along those lines? Yeah, well, Australia and New Zealand and Korea are, are three countries that have really done a fantastic job in terms of containing the virus. And they've done two things which we haven't done. One is they've done proper contact tracing and testing of everybody in the community, even those that don't have symptoms. Secondly, they have imposed severe restrictions on travel in and out of the country. I mean, if we get, and it looks like we are getting on top of the numbers in Ireland now, if we don't, um, once we've done that very effectively in a couple of weeks' time, if we don't then put in place the, 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 t the testing measures, but also the travel. So what's going to happen is we're going to re-import this infection from other countries that haven't done as well as we have. Right, we leave it there. My thanks to you both. Uh, Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity College, and Liam Herrick, uh, who is the Executive Director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties.